Welcome back. I have a new upstairs neighbor, guys, and I cannot wait to tell this story to you. If you have been with me through the saga of neighbors, you're going to really enjoy this. So when I moved into this apartment, neighbor one was one male. I don't know his age. I don't know his name. I know nothing about him. It was just one male. I know he was balding, so I'm not sure if it was premature balding or he was just old. I don't know. Okay. I do know it is a hobby of mine to memorize cars and license plates so I can assign them to the people that drive them. It's just my PI skills. I temporarily worked for a family friend who is a private investigator and they liked my skill set <laughs> from my crazy days on the computer. So the my ability to research and maneuver through things and figure things out and I won't say other words so I don't get in trouble but it's a skill set and they liked it. So I worked for them and did some jobs here and there. So I have a, a knack for memorizing license plates and cars makes and models and so on and so forth. I can find out a lot of information on a lot of things very easily and very quickly. And that is what I do when I am being bothered by my neighbors. I look into it. So neighbor number one didn't didn't care what his name was. Just, you know, watched his comings and goings. Remember, I work from home. And when you're the bottom floor apartment and people live above you, you, you and you have thin walls, you can hear everything. I knew like his his schedule that sounds so creepy but the truth is I like you you get to know their schedule you get to know like when they're waking up and when they're getting home from work and if they go to work and all of that so neighbor number one I forget how long he was here but he walked like an angry angry person his anger transpired and I think I said that on a recent episode his anger or somewhere I don't know I say a lot of things in a lot of places and I forget where I say them he stomped, or at least it sounded like he was stomping. It sounded like he was a mad motherfucker. At some point, he got relocated. Don't ask how I know that. I don't even know how I know these things sometimes. He got relocated for his job, and peace out, he was gone. Insert neighbors number two. Neighbors was a married couple. And this was... The most, oh, what is, what is the best word to describe this? Horrifying experience of my life. It was horrifying. Horrifying in the sense that I have triggers, right? I know people hate that word, but there is not a better word to describe this. I have triggers around yelling and screaming. It's it's a trauma response. Okay, that is the proper terminology for this. It is a trauma response to environments I was in growing up. I don't 
I, I don't react well and I, and I've worked on it for years. Okay. I don't react well though internally. It's like, it's a physical response and it's an emotional response to yelling and screaming and banging. I go into, I, I did tell you this. I believe so. Um, it's fight, flight, or freeze. I freeze. Okay. So that is what occurred a lot with neighbors one and two. Um, so neighbors two, they, it turned out to be a domestic violence situation. But when you have things going on upstairs, you don't want to jump to conclusions. You want to give the benefit of the doubt. You don't actually know what you're hearing, right? I said this, I said all of this to you on, I think the last episode, right? But at one point I heard somebody screaming and I finally called the non-emergency, um, number for the police department, mainly because again, the scream could have been sexual. I don't know. So I called it and the cops came and they arrested him and the rest is history. So then when they, when they finally moved, I got, it, it was a while. Now we have neighbor number three and I don't know how thin it is from the bottom, from the bottom up. Like, I don't know how much they can hear down here. I'm a rather quiet person, though. So, but I don't know if they can hear me talking on this right now. You know what I mean? Moved in. And I and and, and immediately there's a little bit of a traumatic response to that because it was like, uh-oh, your, your brain with trauma immediately flashes back to that bad situation that occurred. So immediately someone new moves in and, like, you're not looking at this as a new person. This is very important information for you to listen to and apply to all areas of your life, specifically relationships. So your brain immediately jumps back to the the past bad things that occurred. So immediately somebody new is moving in and my brain immediately goes back in time to the last neighbors who were beating each other. And my body, right, starts to now react to my emotions and my thoughts that are linked to that past experience with me. So I'm not even at this point, like giving that person who's moving in a chance because I'm, I'm, I'm now replaying a past experience and reacting. And see, I just explained it to you. So I'm very much aware of it. So as it started to occur, I like caught it and was like, okay, wait. And like, now we got to talk through this and go, this is somebody new. You don't know what their habits are going to be yet, but you're on edge. That's, that's kind of what a traumatic experience does. Suddenly you're like on edge and you're like anticipating the same thing, repeating itself, which is not really a fun experience, but so many experience it. So they've, they haven't been here long. Okay. But it's good. It's good. And here's why. So I was sitting right where I am on my couch one day, like, uh, I think it was this past week and I hear howling. Now I know Amy, why is howling a good thing? (laughs) Why is howling a good thing? I hear howling and I know it's a dog and immediately my eyes lit up and I was like, Oh, thank you, baby. Jesus, there is an animal above me. There is an animal above me, and that means that human, hopefully,
carefully takes good care of that animal, right? So I'm hopeful if, if, you know, I can hear you putting the animal, letting the animal go on your balcony and get some fresh air. And then when he howls or she howls, you open the door and you let him in. I, I know enough to know you care. You're not neglecting the, the dog, right? Because when the dog howls, you let him in. So immediately I can discern you're good people. And ever since then, now when this dog howls, I just smile. It doesn't even bother me because I've put this story together in my head, right? I haven't met the person. I haven't met the dog. I don't know. I don't know them, but this is how our brain works, right? So in Amy's mind, how Amy perceives animals and people and situations and behaviors, I have linked it together to make it a positive story. And now it's like the the howling of a dog does not bother me one bit, even though I'm sensitive to sound and I, and I didn't like having noisy neighbors. Now it's like, oh, but this is good neighbor. Like this is good sound. This is soothing. Believe it or not, a dog howling is soothing for me as compared to somebody screaming and yelling and throwing people's bodies into the wall. Um, yeah. So, but I think the dog is like either a husky or a malmute. Now, I don't know if you're up on your dogs, but if you're not on the up and up, let me get you caught up. Dewey is a Pomeranian. He is purebred. He does have AKC paperwork, meaning he's legit, legit. And the only reason he is not a show dog is because A, I didn't want him to be. But B, now, if you know anything about show dogs, they, they, they check like the way they walk and the way they stand and the way their tail folds over and the way their ears either stand up or flop and they've got to meet certain qualifications. Well, my little Dewey, his tail curls sideways. It doesn't, he can hold it up and it can go straight and curl over, you know, or it can stand up straight depending on what mood he's in. But when he's relaxed, his natural way his tail goes is it curls to the side, which is a no-no in Pomeranian world when you're showing dogs. So he cannot technically be shown because he doesn't meet that. Like he would get points deducted technically for his tail. I know it sounds fucked up, but like this is the modeling industry. Okay. As a former unknown model, I can speak to this. They look at every flaw. They look at every piece of you. And if you're like, I remember going in, remember Amy has a crooked face. Okay. At the time I didn't know what was going on. They look at those things and they look, if your face is relaxed and it's not symmetrical, some of those modeling agencies, they don't want that. They're looking for a specific look. Nowadays, when I was doing it, it was more perfection. Nowadays, they like a good flaw. They like some buck teeth. They like a missing tooth. They like some freckles. Back then, not so much. But that's how dog show world is too. You have to you have to stand right. And again, I can speak to this. I am not an expert, okay? But we do have a family friend who has 
Malmutes and shows them like a whole sled team of Malmutes and shows them. And I would dog sit for her for many years. So I learned a lot. And Dewey, a Pomeranian, is in the same like um, like bloodline, so to speak. I don't know. Same family. Uh, I don't have the right words of like Malmutes and Huskies. Like they're all in the same family. They're all like cousins. Okay. And people don't always know that, but they like, they prefer cold weather. You know, that's why like Malmutes and stuff are, are known as like sled dogs because they like the snow. Dewey is, you know, he's a one percenter like me. He loves sand just as much as he loves snow, but anything in between is a no-no. So like dirt and grass, he'll take it or leave it. You know, he'll piss and shit on it, but he loves a good snow. Like he perks right up and he just gallops around and, and then rolls in it and plays in it. And he comes to life when it's snowing and he comes to life when you put him at a beach in the sand, mainly because Dewey actually came from a, a former relationship I was in. I, my ex-boyfriend bought me Dewey in Delaware. And that's what Dewey is named after. In case you didn't know, he's named after Dewey Beach. I cannot take credit for the name. That was my ex-boyfriend's mother. She came up with that brilliant woman. Named him Dewey. I couldn't come up with a name. And I heard it and I was like, oh, I love that. So he's named after basically where he came from and he, yeah, he loves the beach and he loves some snow. So having like, and again, I don't know how to tell the difference and until I actually meet the neighbor and ask them, um, I, I believe Huskies are a little bit smaller than Malmutes, but at, to the untrained eye, they can look rather similar, you know, and they do make similar noises. They can howl and, and, and do weird shit like that. They have beautiful coats though, as does my Dewey. Dewey has hair, not fur. So he is hypo. Is it hypo or hyper? Whatever. Allergenic. So all y'all who are allergic to dogs, y'all can get like a poodle or a Pomeranian and be good. He's got hair. He's like a little human. The more you know. (laughs) So Yeah, my week was full of honest conversations. I've had so many honest conversations this week. I just, I, I, I'm having a fucking ball, guys. Even though my mood ring today is a little bit grimy green, like moldy green. No, no, like fungus green. Mainly because this weather, I don't, I don't deal well with like bitter, cold, rainy situations because I'm a mouth breather. I haven't attended any meetings of Mouth Breathers Anonymous, but all you mouth breathers out there, respect, because not being able to breathe through your nose, and I can semi-breathe through one nostril, just not at all through the other, which is a very interesting experience, and my brain is having a fucking field day with it, but when it rains, it's a mess. So you mouth breathe more. So I was up at 5 a.m. I was up at 5 a.m. looking for humidifiers on Amazon. That was a good time. That contributed to my fungus-looking mood ring today, um, which is interesting. You know, when I'm, 
I say things a little weird sometimes. I had a business meeting this week and I mean, first of all, it takes five seconds to talk to me and fall in love with me because I talk the same way to everybody. I am completely myself. I do not change my language unless I have a client who's a child. I remove many of the curse words, but I still speak to them exactly the same way. I'm still going to give the same examples. I change the metaphors or the analogies that I'm using for clients based on what I know will connect for them. You know what I mean? Like if I know somebody's hobbies are like fashion, I'm going to give them an example they can relate to. If I know somebody knows video games, I will give them a Super Mario Brothers analogy. So like a kid, I've got to kind of get on their level and think what can they connect to, what's general enough, and so on and so forth. But otherwise, I stay the same. I I do. And I say it to everyone. I go, I'm going to speak to you the same way I spoke to my grandma. Like, I don't change. I'm not a chameleon. I am the same person, which makes people fall deeply in love with you immediately. Like they are captivated by it. So I had a business meeting and he says to me, you're quite a dichotomy. I just kind of nodded and smiled because I didn't know what the fuck that word meant. I've heard it many times, but I had to Google it and it said something about like contradiction or separation. I can't pull it up on my phone right now because we're recording, but I'm sure if you Google it, you'll see. And I've been using it ever since just because that was the context it was used towards me in. And it was mainly because like, first of all, this is a very professional very successful, very wealthy person I was meeting with and like pulled my Kia next to their brand new Maserati to go in for this meeting. Like that's like wealth. Okay. And I used to be a very shy and timid person. So these days I'm not which for me is interesting to witness. Do you know what I mean? It's really interesting when you're in your own body and you're very much aware of who you once were and who you are now and you just kind of witness that shift in your own behavior or your own communication. And then there's that burst of proudness that comes through you because you're like, dude, nobody's going to understand but me. So I'm just going to talk to myself about how proud I am right now. That's what happened to me all week. So I went to this business meeting and I, I would assume most people who go into this man's office are probably, um, I won't say more professional. I'll say something like probably a little more serious. Um, he had the personality though of like, he's like my people. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we got along really well. We, we did. The banter just played off each other. But you don't know that unless you're completely yourself when you meet somebody. You know what I mean? You can't try to be. He wouldn't, he wouldn't know he, he liked me so much and wanted, wanted to work with me if I wasn't being completely myself and vice versa. So when you are, though, you know what I mean? When you are yourself, you give permission to that other person to let their guard down and be themselves too. And that's what I kind of witnessed happen on both ends, right? So it was in, in my very candid approach to the conversation. Cause I'm just like that. I'm very open and I'm very honest in my dialogue. So it was in that approach to this conversation that he was almost like refreshed 
that that was how I talked about things. And so it almost gave him permission to then speak to me that way. And that right there, that's the key to setting boundaries as well, right? What did I just say? I gave him permission by what I showed him, right? Through my embodiment, through my example of how I was talking and how I was acting, I basically sent the message saying, you're allowed to speak to me this way. This is how I'm going to speak to you, right? And that's what, you know, listen, I know I piece it together for you, connecting the dots, but that's how it goes when you're setting boundaries in any other any area of your life. What you show them is what you say you're available for. What you accept is what you give them permission to do. And it's very easy. Give out what you want back and make sure to communicate what what you're available for. So that's really what happened. So it, it was like a two hour meeting, which I don't think is normal for what I was meeting for. And um, clearly leaving out details on purpose. But it it went really well. And it was so candid that I honestly, I, I just, I walked away feeling like, wow, I feel, I feel like this is going to go really well and really amazing. And I had no doubts. You don't, you don't have doubts when you're really just being completely yourself. It's really impossible to, because you just really exposed yourself and said, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm wanting, so on and so forth. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is how I need you to speak to me. And that's pretty much how this meeting went because I was, I was basically vetting him to have to hire him for something. And I said, I wanted to meet with you because I needed to vet you. I needed to see how you speak to me. That's a very successful man. I'm not sure many young girls walk in there and probably say that, which he basically affirmed by looking at me and saying, I like you. (laughs) I like you. You're, you're a different breed. I like you. I was like, I know I'm a different breed, but this is just how I handle shit. I'm going to look you dead in the eye and go like, I don't know what this is, which I said to him many times. He was like, do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? I know vague storytelling is always fun, isn't it? And I was like, I do not. I, I don't. And he was like, really? I have no problem being honest. I don't get people who lie. I mean, I get you. I get you on a professional level because I understand why you're doing it. But on a personal level, you're just, you're not my people because I can't, I wouldn't fat, like I, I, it's not even, in, it's not even a thought to lie. Why? It's so hard. I think I keep up with it. <laughs> no, thank you. I have to remember so many things about so many people all the time that that's why often while I'm talking on here, I'll say, did I tell you this story? I'm not sure. But like, listen, that's, this is exactly how I'd speak to you in person. Did I tell you this? I did it with my friend yesterday. I took her, we went shopping. She had her, her third child and we were doing a bit of a, of a wardrobe makeover. We call it a mommy makeover situation. She knows that I worked in fashion, but more so it was a matter of she liked how I dressed and, and she wanted to kind of revamp her look. And, and it, we had a ball. But I said many times, I said, did I tell you this story? I'm not sure if I told you this story, but you know what? I'm going to tell you again and you can stop me if I've already repeated myself. It's totally fine. 
is so easy being honest. It really is. I don't know why more people aren't honest in this world. Like, hey, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Do you, like, it's not fair to other people. It's not fair to other people when you're not yourself. And here's why. Because you just put a mask on, so you're misleading you and you're misleading them at the same time. I know, long dramatic pause on purpose because I don't quite understand it. You can't have honest relationships if you're not honest with yourself. And you're not going to get very far if you can't have an honest relationship with yourself. You're just not. You're not going to be able to upkeep it. You're not going to sustain it. It's going to blow up in your face. That's the way God works. And when I say God, I also mean universe and the energies of the world and whatever other fucking word you want to apply to it. That's how the world works. Like when you keep things a secret, eventually they will come to light. Just like when you sweep things under the rug, eventually you have swept so much dirt and dust under there, it starts to pour out the sides. So why don't you just move the fucking rug and sweep it up? Sounds like common sense. But there are many people who don't have common sense. There just aren't, you know? I'm so honest that, you know, people... I know it sounds like I'm constantly... I don't really care though. It, it, it constantly sounds like I'm speaking so highly of myself. Good. I hope it does. You know why? Because I don't feel like there are enough examples in the world. I think there are many examples of um, celebrity people that, that speak highly of themselves, but their behavior then kind of misguides you, right? I I just don't think there are enough people in the world who are grounded in their confidence and their honesty and their honest approach to life. So why not just like become one, right? Because at one point, those people that you might look up to with the little blue check marks, like they had to start somewhere. At one point, they had one fan and they were a nobody. And then they got themselves there. Why? Because they got themselves there. Like it doesn't, that doesn't negate outside support. You have to get yourself there mentally. You have to get yourself there physically. That was a huge lesson in my life. You have to get yourself there. No, any, it doesn't matter how many nice things I can say to somebody. If they're not in a place to hear them, if they're not in a place to receive them because they don't give them to them, then it's not a norm for them. You know what I mean? It's just not a norm for them. Like we can only receive the things that we, we, I'm going to say it this way. We can only receive the things that are normal for us. Okay. So if it's foreign to you to hear positive encouragement, then somebody giving you positive encouragement might make you not want it. Not because you don't actually want it, because it's uncomfortable because it's new. So you might resist it. You might push back on it, right? Same goes for love. If you're used to abusive love, which is not love, right? Then somebody genuinely, unconditionally loving you you will not be able to receive it. It doesn't matter what the person does. It's not about the other person. It's about you. 
Everybody's responsible for themselves. That's what people seem to forget. They like to blame other people for shit. It's not other people's fault. You are the way you are. Is it exposure to other people and their bullshit that at one point you weren't aware of and so you took it on and then you embodied it and then you practiced it and then you want to blame them for it? Sure, we could blame them for exposing their pain and shit to us, but we can't blame them for us carrying it. Us carrying it once we're aware of it is on us. That's why when people jump in my Instagram comments and they want to debate with me about something that I, I know. I know people have differing opinions on things I post. It's fine. It's fine. If people didn't, I'd probably be a little worried. We're all allowed to have our own minds and own experiences. That's not why I post things. I post things to educate and inform and awaken you to things, th- to a, a different approach, to a different understanding. If there's a cookie cutter way to do everything, if there was one textbook to handle mental health, we're all fucked. We'd all be robots. It would it would be hell. It'd be hell. So yeah, I mean, when people jump in there and, and they're a common one I usually get is when I talk about specific topics and they say things like, oh, right, because it's my fault I was treated that way when I was a kid. I didn't say that. I said it's your responsibility once you are aware that that's what happened at childhood. It's your responsibility to work to better it. Don't just walk around redoing it, like repeating it towards other people and then calling yourself a victim of it, okay? You're only a victim when you weren't aware of what was going on because you were unaware and helpless, right? Cause, so through, through exposure, you got impacted by it. And yes, but even those people that impacted you, they were once impacted too. And then, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. So are we all going to walk around calling ourselves victims to these things? Or are we all just going to acknowledge that this is how it gets passed through the generations? The only way it stops getting passed through the generations, if you're the one to stop it and go, I can acknowledge that my parents hurt me without really knowing that they were hurting me because they were unaware they were hurting. They didn't take the necessary steps to help themselves, so they inadvertently and probably very unintentionally hurt me. But a lot of people, because they're stuck in their pain, they want to get stuck on the, no, it was malicious, no, it was deliberate, no, they're evil, fuck them, they're out of my life. I just don't live my life that way. I don't. People are not evil in my world. Even the people that do the most horrific behaviors in this world are not evil people in my world. In my world, they are hurt people that were never helped or supported or reached a point with themselves to help themselves. They acted out. Does that make it right? No. That's what people miss about my message. It doesn't make it right, but when you can understand someone then it it doesn't that doesn't validate the action it just helps you understand why the action took place so i understand a lot of tragic events and shit mainly because that's how i look at it 
And a lot of people don't want to get on board with that empathetic, compassionate approach. But listen, I live my, my life through kindness and empathy. I might not always sound <laughs> when I, when I'm talking about certain things or I'm really passionate, you might, you might be like, well, isn't there a nicer way to deliver it? No, bitch. This is how I talk. This is how I talk to everybody. As I said, even my, my late grandmother. And I say grandmother over grandfather because I was older when my grandma dropped dead. I was younger when my grandpa died. And then my other grandpas, plural, because she had, she, she had two marriages. I don't remember. I don't remember them. So, yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles. The more you know. Just picture the rainbow. <laughs> flying through the the more you know what was that from do you remember reading rainbow reading rainbow i don't remember anything else about it other than that reading rainbow did they read what a fucking weird show that would be somebody just reading honestly listen like mr rogers right you know there's that movie out now about mr rogers I'm going to be straight up with you. When I was a child, I couldn't hear what Mr. Rogers was ever saying. I watched his show. I couldn't ever hear because I was too busy feeling uncomfortable with him undressing at the beginning. Now, I know he wasn't getting undressed in a provocative way. But like him taking off his one jacket and putting on his sweater vest or vice versa, whatever he was doing, sitting down and tying his shoes for me made me feel uncomfortable. And maybe it was just because of the settings I was in at the time. And maybe I don't know because I can't go back in time and really tell you what my actual thoughts were from watching it. But I do remember that's a distinctive memory that I was uncomfortable. So it'll be interesting if I take the plunge to watch this movie to see because I because now where I'm at, like I can see and, and I've read bits and pieces. I don't know much about him or the movie, but I can see that his message was of kindness. So I'm sure I would probably have a different outlook on it. But like, let's just be straight up here. This comedy is, li the, this podcast is listed as comedy. And I was really uncomfortable. Don't take your sweater vest off in front of me. Just, and please don't sit down and like tie your shoes. Like, first of all, I don't tie my shoes that way. Like sitting down and crossing one leg over the other and tying them. Actually, I don't even untie my shoes at this point. I might as well just get some Velcro ones and call it a day. Because like I leave them tied and I slip them on and off. That's how I roll. <laughs> so, sorry Mr. Rogers. Bless your heart. I didn't even know he was dead, actually. Whatever. And the other one that creeped me out was Barney. Barney legit, hands down, creeped me out. I was not a Sesame Street watcher. Because it didn't make sense to me. Maybe I was ahead of my time. I didn't. I wasn't into puppets. And uh, the only one I could relate to growing up was Oscar the Grouch. So I had a lot of Oscar the Grouch, which I'm sure my mother still has in a garbage bag that are like now moldy and full of mildew in her basement. I had a lot of Oscar the Grouch stuffed animals because I was angry Amy. My child, angry Amy, childhood, angry Amy, 
um, teenage years, angry Amy. I had anger about a lot of things. So I could relate to the grouchy. Um, he ate, no, not, he didn't eat cookies, but for some reason I feel like he did. So we'll just go with it. Cause I ate a lot of cookies too. I was an angry, grouchy or the same thing. Who knows? Cookie eating child. I, yeah. Yeah. When I say these things to my mother, talking about honesty, when I say these things to my mother, bless that woman, bless her, bless her, bless her, bless her. Because I don't know if I had a child like me, when I have a child like me, I plan to pop out children of my vagina as well. I, 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 well, I think because I've, I've grown, right. I've done, I've done a hefty amount of inner work, right. I think I would really enjoy having a child. And here's why I'm going to end with this because B has a daughter and I don't, I'm not going to give her, give, give her name or her age, but her daughter, um, I think it kind of ruins it if I can't give the name. Her daughter, Kennedy, is, I've never met Kennedy, but I hear stories often of Kennedy. And these stories, and, and it is not the way the story is being told. It's not one of those things. You know how like some people can just, like myself, make a really lame story funny? I feel like I have that ability. Um, maybe not right now, but but I do. So... It's not that it's, it's what, and then there's other stories that like the person telling the story is not really good at telling the story, but like what was going on in the story is actually funny. And it's like one of those things, right? Because, because I, 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 I speak quick and I think quick and then sometimes I slow talk, but it's more so like in the midst of me speed talking. B, British B. Sometimes I just look at her and I go, speed it up. You, like when she's texting me, I'm like, you're taking too long. I am a speed texter. I can, I can, I've tried it. I can text with my eyes shut and not have um, one misspelled word. And I can type it in, in seconds, seconds, like paragraphs in seconds. So when somebody is like, slowly thinking through their words as they're saying them. Lord Jesus, speed it up. But she will tell me stories about Kennedy and I will have the patience to listen mainly because I know it's going to be a really funny story. And Kennedy is just priceless. So B was telling me about how like so an aunt in their family was, was like overweight and old and sick and, and was like, you know, reaching the point where, you know, her things, her, her organs were failing and she was probably going to go any day now. And they had to go and stop in her house because she didn't want to stay in the hospital. So they go to the house and it's like a hoarder's, I always say this, a hoarder's paradise. Okay. Like a maze of shit. And, um, I'll save you the, the gruesome details, but the poor woman was unable or unwilling, I'm not sure, I don't know her, to make it to the bathroom. Again, overweight and and sick. So she was just um, 
going on the floor. And uh, I guess they had to bring over, she had called them in an emergency and, and they had to bring over um, more paper towels. She asked them for more paper towels. <laughs> oh my God, it's so gross. So, so they go and Kennedy is with them. And this is the part that you need to hear. So they go in and, and Kennedy looks her dead in the eye and goes, I'm going to call her Susan. Okay, because that Susie, Susan, that's the name. Sorry, all of you named Susie or Susan. I, that's the name I use when I'm telling a story and I have to name the person that was a mess. Sorry. Um, it's actually not a name I hate. Side note, like I one day I will reveal to you the one name that I cannot stand. And I will tell you on the next episode the game I played with my brother my whole life about names. I will. Okay, so we will say her name is Susan. So Kennedy looks Susan dead in the eye and goes, Susan, what are you doing? You can't just shit on the floor. You got to go to the bathroom. And Susan, Susan's like, don't you have more paper towels? What is this kid doing in my face? And Kennedy looks at her, Susan, this is not right. You gotta go to the bathroom. We don't just shit on the floor. And it was just like I lost my shit on the massage table because I'm picturing this child that I don't know looking this woman dead in the eye at her age. And I think Kennedy is like, I want to say she's like seven, but I could be wrong. We'll just roll with it. She's in that age range. At least Susan what are you doing? I lost my shit. Like I love kids. I love kids. They are so honest. I nannied as you probably know. And the boys, they were all boys. I mean, there were girls in the, I'll break it down for you one day, but there were girls in the family that would be in my care at certain times, but it was boys. And I could run a ship with my eyes shut and my, my hands tied behind my back. That's how good I am at parenting. Try me. Okay? Try. Test me. You don't know where I've been. <laughs> I feel like I said this at my business meeting this week to the to the very to the very professional and wealthy man that I was talking to. I said, I don't think I'd survive in prison. And he goes, You know, by looking at you, I don't feel like you would. He goes, because with all due respect, you are adorable. But I feel like with that attitude, you would. <laughs> and honestly, the more I think about it, I watched a, a Lifetime movie the other day. Shout out to Lifetime. Where's my kickback on these shout outs? Um, and the girl got framed and, and she was like, she she ended up in jail. And made some friends and I just like I vibed with the whole thing not that I'm like preparing myself to go to prison or anything but I was just like down for watching like the and I thought to myself you know I'm a little bit of a hard ass too like I don't want to go there but I feel like I'd kill it I've no pun intended there either but I feel like I I might be a badass there and 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 that's just the way it goes that's how I feel about myself y'all need to Y'all need to up that self-talk sometimes. Be your own damn cheerleader. And then people cheer for you. It's the best way to live. 
So till next time where I where I disclose all of the names that I hate. Um, yes, hate. Like hate. Hate them. I I hope my brother is listening right now where he's probably thinking, I know exactly the name she's thinking of. And what I did to him, that is what I will share with you on the next on the next episode, what I did to him his whole life regarding girls that he dated and their names. Oh, it's going to be good. I can't wait. I'll see you then.